Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to Max and Sam on the Until Saturday podcast feed. I am your host, Sam Khan, joined as always by my friend, co-host, colleague, Max Olson, on a beautiful Halloween week. I am wearing hoodie, a hoodie because it is hoodie weather down here in Texas, finally, Max. So I know you were freezing your butt off while you were following a goalpost into Potter Lake in Kansas. But me, on the other hand, while you were doing that, it was in the 80s, and now it is in the 40s here in Houston, Texas. So I am very excited to be joined with, joining you with a hoodie on today. For, 40s in Houston, Texas. Doesn't that shut down the entire city and the power grid and everything? <laughs> Not quite. We got to get into like the low 30s for that. So Right, right. Uh, about 10, 10 degrees away from that. Um, yes. Yeah, it's 41 here. It's uh, very sunny. It was very cloudy and very cold uh, during my time in Kansas. Uh, but what a weekend. Had a good time. It is weekend. You got any Halloween plans? Halloween this week? Big plans. Yeah. Uh, my boy has gotten extremely into Halloween this year. Uh, read lots of Halloween books. Uh, is very excited to trick or treat. And we are uh, we are going, the whole crew is, is going Monsters, Inc. And uh, nice. that is assigned by him. He said, Dad, you're Sully. I'm Mike. Mom's Boo. <laughs> And he just, ever since we came up with that plan, he just reminds us of that all the time. I'm going to be Mike. You're going to be Sully. She's going to be Boo. And so, yeah, I'm going to be wearing a big furry costume uh, out in some cold weather tomorrow night and walking, walking the, walking the streets, filling up some buckets. What about you? Yeah, I, uh, the, the three-year-old is going to be a fireman. So Mm. he's excited about that. He he got his hat and his, uh, you know, jacket and everything, his fire, his fire coat. And uh, the the eight year old is uh, I think undecided. We, we, I don't know what we're gonna do with him. He doesn't seem very much of the Halloween spirit, so I don't know what's <laughs> going on here uh, with that. But uh, we're we are gonna go. We are gonna go get some candy. So I don't know. I mean, I, it's kind I, of I at the age where he could just like throw in a jersey. I guess that, that's what to, I told right? him. I told him I said, why don't you just put on your Steph Curry jersey and just call yeah. it a day? Like, you know, yeah. that's that's easy enough to do. And he just got a mouth guard for. Flag football, so I was like, "Why don't you take your mouth guard and you can chew on it, and like your Steph Curry?" Yeah, you know, there you go. Just gnaw, gnaw on that with your Steph Curry jersey, and there you go. You're, you're, uh, you're a splash brother. So, but he's getting old uh, now, so it's not cool to try hard. You know, he, I'm sure he shrugs <laughs> at that suggestion. <laughs> it is not. He, he's more concerned with other stuff. But we will, we'll talk a little bit about the college football playoff contenders with a little bit of a Halloween twist for you to be in the holiday spirit and. Uh, we'll also do a little bit of projected 12-team bracket. Of course, we're still a year away from that, but we'll have some fun and, and look at what it would look like today if we were to have it. Uh, and, and Based on playoff rankings, we have not seen yet. So we, we we're just going to make them. it up. Yeah, yeah. We're going to do it live, I, I, folks. That's right. That's right. We're going to do it. We're going to do it live. It's going to be fantastic. And Kenny Smith will join us to discuss Alabama, LSU, Georgia, Mizzou, the SEC as a whole, and Brian Ferentz's imminent exit at Iowa. Uh, as always, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Drop us a five-star review. Leave a 
question with review and we'll answer on the show. Of course, subscribe to Until Saturday on YouTube. Be sure to join us live every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then, of course, on Tuesday night, we'll have this week Nicole Auerbach and Chris Vanini Power Hour doing a Tuesday night reaction to the rankings. So be sure to check that out live on YouTube. And, of course, that Sunday sound off is always a big part of the show. Leave a voicemail or text the Until Saturday phone line, 316-462-9852. I think we had more voicemails than almost we could get to on Sunday. So that, that line has been hopping. And, of course, subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter to get your daily fill of college football news in your inbox. That link to that is in the show's description. I wrote the last one on Monday, uh, a little bit about answering the Big 12's playoff hopes with Texas uh, and Oklahoma and and a little bit more about what we think we could see in the top four in the upcoming playoff rankings. So be sure to subscribe to that as well. But, Max, let's talk about it. I I did listen to the sound off. Uh, Just a quick take from you. Do you do you think JJ McCarthy ain't that guy? You that was interesting because I think Dave yeah. and Ari were just quibbling about dynamic playmaker and all this, and he's a good damn quarterback. We had Dane on last week, Dane yeah. Bugler, our NFL draft expert, who who said he's QB three right now in the upcoming NFL draft, and maybe some teams would view him as a two. And you watch him play. I think the thing for me with McCarthy is. He makes really great plays off schedule. When he gets out of the pocket, like obviously he can do everything from the pocket, but when he gets out of the pocket and he throws on the run, it's terrific. So I do think he is that dude. I, and I get it to Ubbin's point that he hasn't been tested. He hasn't. And really Carson Beck hasn't really been tested that much either. But I take McCarthy over Beck at this point. And, and McCarthy is a dynamic playmaker in my mind. So Ari, Dave. Shoot. Yes, J.J. McCarthy is a dynamic playmaker. I don't, I don't know. They didn't connect the dots on this, but I mean, I feel like I would take J.J. McCarthy over Stetson Bennett personally, but maybe I'm crazy. Yes. I guess we'll see. Yes, I, I would I'm too. pretty sure I watched Stetson Bennett win two national championships <laughs> in the last two years. I don't know about you, uh, but you know, we'll go, we're going to find out or we won't. We're, you know, we'll see. Yeah. Stetson not here, and we're still disrespecting him here on the podcast, even though he's not playing. So. <laughs> uh, let's start off the show talking about the big topic, the college football playoff rankings. First version of the 2023 rankings come out Tuesday night. Uh, we're going to find out who the top four are, who the first two out are, where everybody stands in the top 25. Max, I'm just off the top, I'm curious what you think about what we might see do you think we're going to mirror the AP poll a little bit at the top, or do you think we're going to see a little bit different uh, vision from the committee than what we see from the voters right now? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to see anything because I'm going to be out trick-or-treating. I'm not sticking around to watch that, <laughs> uh, but I will be checking my phone to see what comes out. I, you know, it's interesting, Sam. We haven't, like, especially just with the way the polling kind of goes, it's sort of like it's easy to just kind of slot in Georgia 1, Michigan 2, things like that. So we haven't necessarily kick-started like the resume discussion have we on, on like mm-hmm. the real top four top five mm-hmm. and uh that's i think that will be instructive to to be you know head into november kind of with a sense of um who the playoff committee really like values i mean i i know there's a lot to sort out so ultimately that first round won't matter but um yeah do you like do you think it's possible we're going to see like an Ohio state at number one or something like that, which wouldn't be like some crazy activist thing to do. It's just might be that, you know, the metrics they look at, uh, kind of favor the resume so far. Yeah. I, I think Ohio state should be number one based on resume because it I'm should. a big, you know, me, I'm a big resume guy over 
eye test, so to speak. I think eye test has a value, but I I, I prefer resume. And Ohio State's got the best resume of the top five undefeated teams in the AP poll right now. Uh, if you if you look at their opponents' record, if you look at their record yeah. against about five hundred teams, all that stuff, they to me Qual- are that quality team. of their big wins are just you right know, right there with you know Notre Dame and Penn Florida State. State's so, got some great ones too, but I mean Clemson's taking a slide. I think I think you probably have to look at Ohio State as as having probably the strongest uh, collection of uh, you know kind of trophies so far this season. Yeah, but I think I think we're going to see Georgia one in Michigan too. I think the committee. I, I feel like oftentimes relies heavily on eye test and I do think if, if you're going by that those two teams probably are one and two at this point but they haven't played schedules that are really worthy of testing those teams so uh, that's why I'm fascinated to see this first batch because it'll really give us a feel for where they where they stand and and what what the committee really thinks but I'll, but I'll say this I am glad this is the last year of this because we next year when we start the 12 team we'll start to be able to talk about We'll be debating at large team. We won't be debating so much, you know. Sure, we'll talk about one through four because those are the teams that'll get buys. But we'll be talking about teams that are going to win conference championships that are earn their way in, as opposed to just doing what I like to call a beauty contest. So why don't we? <laughs> yeah, do let's our play that own, out a little bit then. Let's yeah, talk about that. yeah. Why don't we do our own twelve team? Let's say if we were doing a twelve team bracket this year. What would it look like if 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 we were doing these rankings? I let's fast forward to October thirtieth, twenty twenty four. What is the first selection show? Assuming they're still doing a selection show, I'm sure they will because I'm sure it makes ESPN a lot of ratings and money and all that. Uh, but what what would it look like if we're doing it? Are we do we have Georgia's number one right now? Do we have Ohio State's number one? And then what are those five twelve matchups? Six eleven, seven ten, eight and nine. What what let, let's let's stop it. Jump all right, into that have a, let's do it this way. Okay. You 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 go through what you think it should be as of today. I okay. did my twelve based on what I think it's going to be at the end. Okay. Okay. I okay. So you're saying what I think it should be today? Like I'm taking some guesses on conference championships and stuff in the way I right. did my twelve. You do it based on what you think it should be if today, the committee's the putting out a twelve today, tomorrow yeah. or or yeah. today, yeah, on Tuesday. Right. Okay. So like I said, I would have Ohio State one. Ohio State would be one. I think I would have I'm trying to debate on resume here. I think I probably put Florida State two, Georgia three. I mean Michigan three and Georgia four. So I'd Ohio State one, Florida State two, Michigan three, and Georgia four. That that's based because I'm basing it on resume, and that's that's the order of the resumes at this point. Mm -hmm. So those are my four. Now, of course, the you know, Ohio State and Michigan are both gonna win a conference championship. So in a twelve team this sure. would not be able to be projected that way. I will, t- way. So I will touch on that having Washington. Yeah, yeah. So, you, so then in this case, if we're doing a four-team playoff projection with the conference champions in mind, then I'm going, then you have to say, or you do you think Michigan or Ohio State's going to win? So I would say, then I would say Michigan one, Florida State two, Georgia three, and Washington four. Because oh. I'm going to I'm gonna say that Michigan, I think, is going to beat Ohio State. Interesting. Okay. So. <sighs> I... For my 12, I've just tried to kind of play the guessing game of who's going to win these leagues and, and following the rules of what the 12, uh, 12 setup is going to be next year. I went one Georgia, two Ohio State. Oh, ooh, shocking. Mm. Three Oregon, four Florida State. Yeah, I'm pretty high on Oregon. Um, so you got Ohio State beating Michigan then? I do. Okay, interesting. I do. 
or gotcha. so, or or Ohio State gets to go to the Big Ten title game because Michigan doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see, Sam. Long month ahead. Hard to say. A lot of stuff got to play out, you know? A that's lot of a, twists. That's a pregnant pause there, buddy. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of twists. Got to keep up. Um, but I tried to fill it out, and I'm thinking like Texas 5, Michigan 6, Alabama 7, Washington 8. We're just going to keep rolling through this. Oklahoma 9, Penn State 10. But then 11 is tough. 11 is tough. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to give you the group here. LSU. Okay. Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Missouri, Louisville, a bunch of Pac-12 schools. Like, Ooh. who's who's grabbing that spot? I would make and an you argument that Louisville one loss deserves team, it right now. It's going to be a two-loss yeah. team in that spot. Right. I would argue today Louisville deserves that spot. Because I think there's, I think Louisville severely underranked in the AP poll. They're they're at 15, but they have a better resume than Notre Dame, who they beat. And Notre Dame sitting there in the AP poll at uh, 12. So right. I would say Louisville would have and an argument for that spot. L- yeah, yep. I mean that the pit loss is bad, but I think the committee shows that has historically shown they care about quality wins more than they do about bad losses. And so uh, that would be interesting discussion. 11 and 12. Um, and then twelve. Who would get? get the who Air you Force, put it, so Tulane, who would you put JMU trio. Who are you putting? I, get, at I mean, I get, like it's gonna be. It's gonna be hard. I don't know. It's gonna be hard to leave out. I don't know. Is nine and three LSU like better than those other ones? I don't know. That do you just I would go pretty strictly by record, or you go that. by best team? In your opinion, you know. No, I think yeah, I think you have to go by best team and and like I said, resume and quality wins factors into that. So if you're a nine yeah. three LSU, what are your best wins? That's a great question. A and M, I don't, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> 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 they will, they will probably beat A and M come seasons in. Uh, yeah, but I mean, they beat mm-hmm. Auburn. They beat Mizzou. Mizzou's the best win that they've got. On Mizzou the, would be the best win. Right yeah, yeah, that would be. Yeah, cool. yeah. I don't know why I was drawing blank. Um, so, and then you get the little nice uh, little Air Force Tulane JMU trio right now for for that uh, that twelve spot. I'm, others could play their way into it, obviously, but uh, don't know how to sort that. That's something that uh, everyone's going to have to start kind of figuring out how to, you know, how to how to size those up because it's going to be important. Yeah. So let's take. Let me take. I'm going to take the AP poll right now and give you what the matchups would be if we're just taking okay, straight just based AP on. Poll. Let's do it that way. And I'm going to move. And I'm going to move Washington up because. Because Michigan and Ohio State cannot win. So I'm going to say okay. Ohio State is the five. They would play yeah, Air Force that. in the first round. And you yeah, have Washington so winning because, the pack. Or, no, I'm sorry, we're going by the AP. Go ahead. Right. God, so, so, you would ha- so I'd have Washington. So I'd have Washington <laughs> Washington as the four. So we'd have Michigan, Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, and Washington in the, the top four. Ohio State God, I'm, fifth. I'm sorry to our listeners. If they're, if they're not following any of this, I don't blame them. But keep going. Uh, your 6-11 matchup is Oregon and Ole Miss. That's pretty fun. I like that. That's, I like a, that's that. a lot of fun right there. Your 7-10 right now as of today. Again, this is not necessarily how it plays out, but this is as of today. Your 7-10, Texas and Oklahoma. Mm. How about Texas and Oklahoma in the playoff? Yeah. It's not... <laughs> It's not what the committee would would love. Can we do a little flip? Can we do like an Oklahoma, Alabama, like a Texas, Penn State? Do that kind of a setup. We could do that. Like that. We could do that. We could do a Texas. You'd have to. Somebody has to go down though. That means Alabama would have to be tenth. Uh, 
as of right now at Alabama's eight, but we have Alabama eight, Penn State nine. So Alabama and Penn State right. that would be Alabama Penn State would be a fun first round game. Sure. And then, but if and we if flipped would be, it and we go uh, Texas Penn State, Texas Penn State would be a fun first round. Alabama Oklahoma, we've of course seen that in the playoff back in the Kyler Murray era, but that would be a yep. that would be an interesting game for sure. And then uh, I I would personally would be intrigued to see number twelve uh, Air Force put uh, try to put number five Ohio State through hell in a, in a playoff game. That, that that might be kind of fun. Buddy, a, a service all academy. For seeing, oh, a service academy to, in a playoff. Oh my gosh, <laughs> dude. Yeah, I, it would Those be, guys just show could, up and they're like, you know what? I know you got all these five stars, but you're going to play our kind of game today. That's right. That's right. And the the thing about that is, is those teams would have extra time to prepare because there's going to be a layoff between end of regular yeah. season and the first round of the playoffs. So there's a little bit more of an advantage, but still, but it's hard to replicate what they do even in a few weeks and to be Definitely. ready for it. And so you just don't that is one of the fascinating things that gets you ready for and it. Yeah. Adding the G5 teams in here in the future is going to be a lot of fun because you're going to get some different style of teams. You're going to get, get some different styles of play, uh, whether it's a two lane or an air force or, um, yeah, heck Liberty right now is undefeated and Jamie Chadwell's offense would be really interesting to see how some of these other teams would defend. So, uh, and you know, the fun thing, Sam, that doesn't get mentioned enough. Okay. You play this out another round here. Can we get Ohio state, Washington, which would be amazing to watch. Can we get Florida state, Oregon? Mm -hmm. Um, there's some there's the sets up for some really, you know, Texas, Michigan, uh, sets up for a lot of fun. That's really, this that's is one of the years really where you fun. would feel good about 12 though. You know, I feel like that's the way we're heading. I'm not saying we might not think differently a few weeks from now, but I feel like this is one of the years where you'd feel like, man, there's at least 11 really interesting, like quality teams that you're throwing into this uh, event. Yeah. Contrary to what, our colleague Ari Wasserman has feverishly debated and written about about why he's happy it's a four team. No, I w- I really do wish we had a twelve team this year because yes, does Georgia have a sense of inevitability to them right now? They do, but again, we haven't. I don't think we've seen them get tested truly, and they they will have some better teams to play here down the stretch. But the the dividing the the gap between everybody else in this top 12 is not very large. And so I think there there really would be some fascinating matchups. This would be a fun time to kind of see this. So that's a, it's a fun hypothetical to talk about. We're looking forward to the playoff rankings uh, coming mm-hmm. up on Tuesday night. Look and forward to people getting course, mad about it. Got to get mad about right. it. Doesn't matter, but yep. you got to get mad. Oh, I, I already, I was, I was deep in the resume research on Sunday. Uh, I was deep in nice. there, so I can already, I'm already getting my takes warmed up. You know, it's cooled down here weather wise, so I'm, <laughs> I've got them simmering already because I'm You're ready like, to fire it off and get mad on Monday. Like on Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, night. those takes are just sitting in my Twitter drafts. We're gonna get them That's ready right. to go. You know, <laughs> That's right. We're 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 gonna get them. But uh, but we of course have some big games coming up this weekend that are gonna be important to the playoff race. None more important than maybe than Alabama and LSU. We're going to bring on Kenny Smith to, to talk about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Alabama and LSU is one of the biggest games on the Week 10 college football schedule. And to help discuss that, as well as some other SEC thoughts and maybe a few other things, we'll bring in Kenny Smith. Alabama beat writer for The Athletic. Kenny, thank you for joining the show. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank y'all for having me on. Uh, I haven't appeared on the show since, what was it, before Alabama lost to Texas and everybody yep. left them for dead. So That's I've just right. been kind of wandering <laughs> around in the uh, in the athletic space. Um, not, not, a part, not a part of the Until Saturday feed, but it's all good because, you know, Alabama, like Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers and Freddie Krueger, you just can't kill them. And, That's right. <laughs> you know, here they are. Uh, right Kenny, in the, we, right. we did not leave you for dead, Kenny. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, no, you didn't. You didn't leave me for dead. You left them for dead. And then by way of me covering them, I was, you know, collateral damage. But it's all good. <laughs> uh, but People always no, say Dynasty I, dead, but not Kenny. Right. Kenny just got exactly. here. He's not ready to say exactly. that stuff. Exactly. Exactly. I lived through, um, you know, Kirk and Brian Ferret, so I can. I'm, I can make it through anything. I feel like so, uh, but I'm excited for the I'm excited for the game this weekend. It's going to be really big. Obviously, huge SEC championship implications, huge college football playoff implications, and really just a big week overall for the SEC. I mean, LSU, Bama, Georgia, Missouri, even Ole Miss is hanging out there at seven and one. I feel like a lot of people aren't talking about them, but they could finish eleven and one if um, you know some crazy things happen down the stretch. So, um, SEC, uh, the race down there is really starting to pick up, and um, you know. Alabama and LSU is, uh, you know, the premier game on that weekend, and it's going to be really fun. Kenny, before we dive into that SEC slate, we got we got to touch on it. Um, you have uh, hard earned experience as an Iowa beat writer. Mm-hmm. You you watch a lot of Iowa football. You watch a lot of Iowa offense. Not a lot of points, but you watch a lot of offense. Um, wanted to get your thoughts on the end of the Brian Ferentz era uh, coming up here at Iowa and how that news uh, hit you uh, on Monday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that's simultaneously surprising and unsurprising at the same time. I think the handwriting has been on the wall. You've seen Iowa's offense on a steady decline over the last few years. And then, obviously, the 25 points per game stipulation and Brian Ferentz's contract put a lot of pressure on him and put a lot of pressure on the program. But being around the program and getting a chance to interact with the fans and other people in the state, there was still this belief that Kirk Ferentz would not – I don't want to say wouldn't allow, but it would take a lot for him uh, and the program to move off of Brian Ferentz in this way. So it's it's something that you know took me by surprise, especially the timing of it. It's it's in the middle of the season. Iowa is still very much in the Big Ten West championship race, so you wonder about the timing. But I think this is about you know a few different things. One, the betterment of the program. Obviously, the offense hasn't performed well. Uh, I was going to have offensive players that are going to be looking to the portal at the end of the year. There's going to be recruits out there looking at Iowa potential prospects coming in. So I think getting out in front of this now will give them an opportunity to relay to players that there is going to be a change. 
And then what a big move by Beth Goats, the interim athletic director, to step in and and make this type of decision. I think that that signifies that she's probably going to be the full time athletic director. And it's just, you know, the first of what's going to be a lot of critical moves for her um, as AD. You think about Kirk Ferentz, Lisa Bluter, women's basketball coach, been coaching for a long time for Emma McCaffrey, men's basketball as well. So. Um, Beth Goats presumably is going to be the the face of iAthletics in a in a big transition period, and this is you know a huge milestone moment for her before she even gets the full time tag. So those are uh, kind of my initial thoughts, and then obviously you know who's going to be the next OC. Yeah, it, uh, it's going to be interesting to watch how how all this unfolds in the coming weeks. Uh, Kenny, let's get into this SEC slate. As you mentioned, the last time we had you on was right before the Alabama lost to Texas, and. Man, a lot's happened since then. They had the close call at USF and the quarterback controversy before Jalen Milrow reclaimed the starting job. And yet here we are in October, heading into November, and they're 7-1. and one, And they're right in the top 10, and they're right in the thick of the college football playoff race. Give us a sense for how Alabama has bounced back from that, that early swoon that they had in September. Yeah, I think... Obviously, it starts with the quarterback position. And even though Jalen Milrow had his ebbs and flows in the first few weeks of the season, uh, you got the sense that the team was behind him as a leader and as a person. And I think some of that kind of reflected itself in the South Florida game where the other quarterbacks aren't playing well. But Jalen Milrow is just being the ultimate teammate on the sidelines, cheering those guys on. And Alabama was able to win. And then right after that, Nick Saban just got in front of it and named him um, a starter. And then talking to some people on the beat, they said that that's something that he really has never done in his tenure is just come out and publicly endorse a, a starter and just move off of it from there. So I think that that South Florida game was a turning point for a few different reasons. I think it provided evidence that Jalen Miro is the best option. We saw what Ty Simpson and Tyler Buckner were able to do. And I think it just kind of unified the team because Jalen Miro was um, seen as the, the leader of the team. And you've seen that uh, offense and defense just kind of rally around him from there. And on the field, I think Tommy Reese, week by week, you're starting to see him embrace Jalen Milrow's strengths as a player. You're starting to see the deep ball passing. You're starting to see a little bit more read option. You're starting to see a little bit more of those zone reads. You're starting to see a little bit more of the RPOs that made Bama's offense lethal over the last few years. So I think this it's been it's been a mix of both of the team and the coaching staff rallying around Jalen Milrow and then using his strengths to the best of his ability to push Alabama's offense forward. Defensively, um, they're still an elite Alabama defense. They've been one of the best second half defenses in the country, which going back to last year, that was something that really hurt them in losses to Tennessee and LSU, giving up, you know, 20 plus points in the second half. They've been really good at making those adjustments this year. And here we are at Alabama seven and one and a huge, huge test against LSU this weekend, number one offense in the country. So I think it's going to stretch Alabama on both sides of the ball. Is the defense going to be able to hang with an LSU offense, which at least in my opinion, this is the first time since that Texas game where there are going to be equal caliber athletes on the perimeter mm-hmm. to Bama's defensive backs. So how are they going to respond after what happened in the Texas game? And then Alabama's offense, if LSU starts scoring points in bunches, you have to ask yourself, is Alabama's offense equipped to hang around in a shootout type of game? There hasn't been a moment like that this season. Alabama's offense has really been boom or bust. There hasn't really been a lot of consistency. So you wonder... You know, if LSU gets up 10 points, 14 points, or they just start scoring, you know, on every possession or every other possession, is Alabama's offense going to be able to to hold serve at home? 
You know, Ken, I was, was going to ask you about that. Just as, as you're eight games in now, you got a lot better sense of the strengths and weaknesses of this particular Alabama team. And I'm curious what you circle in terms of the LSU matchup as, as the big challenges um, and the big opportunities. But also, like, as, you, as you've covered this team and, and watched this season evolve, does it feel to you like maybe you're covering a playoff team? Does it feel like it's still a work in progress? Kind of where where is your own kind of sense of uh, uh, of maybe the ceiling of this group? Yeah, in terms of LSU and that matchup, I think the biggest question that I have is what are what's going to be of Harold Perkinson's role in this game? Is Harold Perkins going to line up on the left side opposite of Caden Proctor and try to rush the passer? Um, Alabama's offensive line, the numbers, I mean, I don't have them in front of me, but they're near the bottom in pretty much every category that you can think of. Sacks, pressures allowed, pressure rate, time that Jalen Miro holds on to the football. So is Harold Perkins going to be a game wrecker on the edge, or are they going to place him as a spy to make sure that Jalen Miro doesn't hurt LSU's defense with his legs? So that's the matchup that I'm going to be looking for. As far as Alabama's team, it does somewhat feel like a playoff team. I think the landscape kind of lends itself to that belief though it's not that Alabama is playing like a playoff team consistently but it's when you look around the country there really hasn't been a team that has really just asserted themselves every single week as a super team obviously Georgia's had a couple of dominant performances in a row but they've had their ebbs and flows Michigan has been consistent throughout but you can question their schedule and they're going to have to play some big games obviously with Penn State and uh, Ohio State at the end um Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, all have kind of had their ebbs and flows as well, even though they're undefeated. So Alabama, from a talent perspective, is right there with any of those teams. And I think that's why you have this belief that Alabama could make it to the playoff and ultimately contend for a championship because, you know, all things equal, they have the guys, um, you know, athlete for athlete compared to these other teams. So the question for Alabama, you know, in the second half of the season after the bye week is, when is the team going to put together a four-quarter performance? That's what that's what's missing right now. Probably my biggest observation is Alabama looks like Alabama in stretches. They can look like that for a quarter. They can look like that for a half. They can look like that for a few possessions, but they haven't been able to do that for four quarters. And that's what I'm going to be looking for on Saturday. Yeah, to to your point on the talent, I think that's ultimately why we are optimistic, or what why you, there is reason to be somewhat optimistic because I mean they're still number one in the team talent composite, uh, and they still have all those five stars and four stars running around, but. That brings me to this and something you touched on with with Milro and Tommy Reese. Do you think that because we, we talk about us leaving Alabama for dead, do you think that collectively as, as a college football viewing public, part of that is because we have taken for granted how difficult it is to turn a staff over? Because Nick Saban year after year has coordinator turnover or assistant coach turnover and it was still able to go like a machine. And then this year, obviously you have two new coordinators and, and it didn't work like that, particularly on offense early on. Do you think as we see Reese and Moro, you know, kind of meld together a little bit better and kind of a better understanding of how, how they fit together. You think part of the reason why maybe we did leave him for dead is just because we're so used to Nick, just plugging in guys and letting it go. And it just doesn't always, isn't always going to work that way. Yeah, definitely. I definitely think there's something to that um, on a few different levels. When you, I know there's the famous coaching staff, might have been from 2015, 2016, where it's there's like six or seven different head coaches on that Alabama staff with Mario Cristobal and Kirby Smart and Mel Tucker and Lake Kiffin and those guys. And you look at this Alabama staff right now, um, there's not really anybody that you can just point to and say that 
guy is going to be, uh, you know, the next power five head coach or he is the next sexy coordinator assistant for a head coaching job. And that's not to say that it's not a good coaching staff, but obviously you, you see the kind of attrition year after year when Alabama remains at the top programs want to pick from that. They want to get somebody as close to Saban's greatness as possible and bring that over to their program. And it's hard to replace what you're losing with, you know, an assistant of, of equal caliber. So I think that's a part of it. I think development is a part of it as well. When you look at certain positions on on Alabama's team from a position standpoint, like wide receiver as an example, Alabama last few years has kind of been like that wide receiver U. Since 2020, they've lost half of their, you know, signees to the transfer portal. So it's hard to, you know, develop guys. You have to they're consistently having to go into the portal. It's brought mixed results. Offensive line as well. I think you can point to that also. And I think another reason why people left Alabama for dead is what the perceived strength of this team was supposed to be, it hasn't been. It was supposed to be Alabama is just going to line up with this great offensive line and just maul people and run for 250 yards per game. And Milro was going to be this dynamic dual threat guy and the offense was going to be humming. And the offensive line is probably the biggest weakness on the team. And they're running for the fewest yards per game in Nick Saban's tenure. So you look at it from that perspective, it's okay, we thought this was going to be a power running team. They can't run the ball. There's questions about Milrow's arm. This team is not going to be able to put all the pieces together to compete for a, a national championship. So they're starting to, to put those pieces together, um, you know, week by week, probably a lot slower than past Alabama teams. But I think there's cautious optimism within the fan base that this team is going to be able to put it all together at the end and hopefully compete for a championship. Kenny, I'm, I'm curious, when you look on the other side of the fence here, it's a, as you mentioned, big matchup with with Georgia and Missouri. Um, and, you know, you're familiar with Georgia, obviously, as, as a UGA grad. What What's your sense of, let's say Alabama gets past LSU, right, which would be a big statement. It shoots you up the rankings. It, it certainly sets up a, a fascinating uh, game in Atlanta uh, later in the year, you would think, right? So what's your sense of what Alabama's up against if they get past this one and and uh, particularly your, your kind of assessment of Georgia at this point? Yeah, I think Georgia is starting to to put the pieces together. And it's kind of like a, a running joke that I have with, you know, some of our friends who went to Georgia. It's like Georgia knows how to get up for the big games. Like there are going to be some games where, okay, they're going to kind of dilly-dally for a little bit. It might turn into a close game. But you know when they play – Kentucky, who within Georgia's program has a lot of respect for that program, you know they're going to play well. Florida, huge rivalry game, no matter what the record is, you know Georgia's going to get up for that game. So it kind of feels like Georgia's kind of turning the corner at, at the right time. I've really been impressed with the way that they've played in the secondary. I've really been impressed with the way that they've been, you know, taking the ball away. I think the pass rush is a working progress, which if you want to stop Alabama's offense, you're going to have to put them in second to third and long situations and force Jalen Milrow to throw. Get pressure on the get pressure on them, turn those possessions into punts. So that's the the question that I would have for Georgia's defense against um, Alabama's offense is if they're not getting pressure on Milrow, if Alabama goes into a max protect, there's going to be big play opportunities over the over the top, and I think the game could get um, a little hairy from that perspective. Um, obviously, Alabama's defense against Georgia's offense is going to be a really good matchup. Um, so I think at this point, I would probably favor Georgia. If I was an odds maker, at least by a touchdown over Bama, potentially mm, even more. But there's no reason. But there's no reason to to think that Alabama couldn't be competitive in that game. And again, I think the confidence, if you're an Alabama fan, that they can compete with Georgia is seeing four quarter consistency, starting with LSU 
and then continuing that through the the rest of the season. Yeah, I'll be interested to see uh, as those two go through. If we do end up on a collision course and seeing those two back in the SEC title game, let, let's expand to the SEC at large, beyond Georgia and beyond Alabama. Of the teams you've seen and gotten a good look at, who do you feel best about, and who are you most skeptical of in this conference? Let's start with the teams that you feel best about so far in the SEC. Yeah, I would probably say Missouri. I mean, they're a team that. When you think about where they were in terms of what their preseason win total was, which was six and a half, they've already surpassed that. And you're starting to see, um, you know, the kind of dividends of the in-state recruiting that Eli Drinkwitz has done coming to fruition. You think of a guy like Luther Burden, who turned down the top programs in the country to stay home at, at Missouri and be the guy in the type of year that he's having. I mean, he's in the Bolitnikov race. You think about Brady Cook, another in-state guy, not as highly as not as highly recruited, but somebody who's really playing well for the program. So I think Missouri has a lot of momentum right now on the field. They have a lot of momentum in the recruiting trail. And, you know, back to my point about Georgia's pass rush, if they're not going to get pressure on Brady Cook on Saturday, it could turn into a game at Athens if he's able to, to stand back there and throw to, you know, a litany of receivers. They have a lot of capable pass catchers, not just Luther Burden. So I'll probably say that I feel really good uh, about Missouri right now. Even if they don't get the win over Georgia, I think this is a team that could be a New Year's Six Bowl contention. And who are you most skeptical of of the teams that are that are up there in this in the SEC? I would still say, I mean, I know it's it's a it's a big game on Saturday, but I would still say I'm skeptical of, of LSU. And the main reason is because of the injuries that they have on defense. Three guys in the secondary. Uh, who our, our starters, our main contributors, are still not available for practice this week. That was something that Brian Kelly noted today. Makai Wingo, big defensive tackle in the middle, has surgery. He's going to be out for six weeks. So when you think about an LSU defense that has already had problems this year, now they're you know, down Lots. four starters, major contributors, you have to be skeptical about their ability to um, you know, make something out of this SEC West race. It's going to kind of come down to can the offense score enough points to win the game which we've seen uh, you know, around the country that you know that's not always a winning formula. So I do feel good about LSU's offense, but I'm skeptical about them from a team aspect and a competing for a championship aspect just because of the attrition on defense. Last thing for you, Kenny, here. What, uh, when it comes to Halloween candy, what do you consider elite? You know, if you're walking, walking down the street with your bucket, what are you hoping to fill up on? What's the, t- what's the, the top of the, the um, you know, what, what are the ones that uh, you prize the most? Okay, so sour, anything sour, but Sour Patch Kids, Sour Patch mm-hmm. Kids, watermelon would probably be my number one. Um, Reese's is definitely in my in my top five. Twizzlers, Skittles. I don't know if I have. I don't know if I have a fifth. That'll probably just be my Mount Rushmore. So yeah, there you go. Sour that's Patch, your four. That's yeah. your four team yeah. CFP right there. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Twizzlers, Skittles, Reese's, Reese's and Sour Patch Reese's Kids is pretty good. Just regular, just regular Reese's, not Reese's. Regular Reese's. 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 Regular, good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good clarification. Good. Good stuff. <laughs> I like I, that's, a, that's a good, that's a good solid four. That's a good solid four. I'm, Twizzlers are underrated, by the way. I, I had yeah. some, my, my kid, my kids came home with a little bit of those the other day and I, I had some and I was like, you know what? I, I forgot how good Twizzlers are. They're pretty damn good. So uh, yeah. good stuff. Kenny, thank you so much for joining us and uh, ha- have a good one this weekend. Looking forward to all the great SC games and, Looking forward to seeing Alabama and LSU uh, going and taking it on. So uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, appreciate y'all for having me. Y'all have a great day. And um, hopefully it's not this long again before I appear on uh, on the show. So 
Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be, yeah, maybe yes. I'll be back for the Iron Bowl of the SEC Championship. Uh, but yeah. you know, it's all, yeah, it, it's all love. Appreciate y'all for having me. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks again to Kenny for joining us and guilt tripping us for not having him on for a long time on this feed and on this podcast. But we're always glad to get his contributions and uh, Bama's back. They are They are very much in the thick of this. But Max, you asked him an important question late right there before we let him go about his preference of Halloween candy and the Mount Rushmore of his candy. Let's let's do a little bit of that with the college football playoff. Let's take these contenders that we have. Why don't we why don't we compare them and see if we can find some analogies that are proper for these college football play, playoff contenders and and what candy, Halloween candy they would be. And I'll start with Georgia because Georgia is Georgia and they just pummeled Florida in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party on Saturday. And Ari wrote a good column uh, wondering if this is just an inevitability. Is is George just going to roll through this thing? You know, we've seen them have some hiccups. We had a lot of questions about them, but now we're just wondering, are they just going to start steamrolling? George is a full-size Snickers. You know how on Halloween you get the fun size? Yeah. Georgia is a full-size Snickers bar. It's, Snickers is thick. You've got the nuts in it. You've got the nougat. You've got the chocolate. It's packed with everything. It's strong, and you get the full size, the large, largesse of it. Mm-hmm. So when you get to that house and someone gives you a full size Snickers, that to me is the Georgia Bulldog. There's not that. I mean, lots of houses can offer you a, a, a fun size Snickers. Um, not that many people can afford to just be passing out full size uh, candy bars on a Halloween. And that's, that's I don't why live in one of those neighborhoods. <laughs> I don't either. Me personally, I do not. No, I'm not buying the full size at Costco. Uh, I yeah I I think I think it's Snickers it's got everything you want you can even say you know is it like Toblerone is it like a just in a whole different <laughs> top shelf tier of of chocolate it's possible we're we're, we're gonna see but uh, yeah I think in the conversation around all these playoff teams like I think Georgia might arguably be the only full size candy bar of all the candies we're gonna hit here yeah I agree I agree hundred percent I I can't remember the last time I had a Toblerone. The only time I really have seen them is in hotel rooms, and I never mm. touch them because, you know, whenever you get something from the hotel room that's already there, it costs a lot of money. So yes. I haven't been one to just go grab a Toblerone off the hotel room bar. But, uh, but I don't even stay in nice one. enough hotels to see Toblerones. You know? <laughs> yeah. um, it's been a Georgia lot of times does. that I have. Georgia definitely yeah. does. Oh, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I would anticipate they're going to be staying in a nice hotel here in Houston when they make it to the national championship game. Yeah, I think that's uh, uh, so what's next? Let's talk Ohio State. Ohio State's in the top four. What's what's Ohio State in your mind? Ohio State, I struggled with. I'm gonna I'm gonna say what about 
Could it be Sour Patch Kids? Okay. I love Sour Patch Kids. A I lot of people too. love Sour Patch Kids. Um, for some reason, you, you know, if you have too many Sour Patch Kids, it can leave a sour taste in your mouth. And I think that's what's <laughs> happened to Ari. <laughs> He's gotten sour on. on He's had on way Ohio too State. many. He just had way too many Sour Patch Kids in his time covering Ohio State. And it has, uh, it, you know, it kind of leaves a weird taste in your mouth that affects everything else you eat. It's what sticking to his teeth. It's sticking to his teeth back uh-huh. there, and so it's annoying bit. the hell out of him. It's still hey. oh, it's yeah, exactly. It's still there a little bit. You brush your teeth, but it's still there. And you know when you when you go through the sour patch kids, they're all different colors, and you have your favorite colors. And I feel like nobody really is into the the yellow ones. So mm. is Kyle McCord a Dude. yellow sour patch kid? Basically, <laughs> they have. There's a bag of um like lemonade flavored um like a lemonade line of sour patch kids I had this year. Incredible. Sour Patch yeah. Kids are great. I am not knocking Ohio State as some sour, um, bad thing. I, I maybe it's not for everyone, but uh, for me, I, I don't know about you. For me, Sour Patch is is uh, pretty high on the list of uh, of just best candy. Period. It's really good. Uh, yeah, I think Ari's down just because they don't have a generational quarterback right now, which they're so accustomed to having. So, uh, Michigan, you had a a really interesting you know, choice on Michigan. What, are, what am I supposed to do with Michigan? <laughs> What are we supposed to do? I was trying to think of like, I mean, I was trying to, I, you could take this in some interesting directions. I'm going to, I'm going to say candy corn because wow, they're just, I feel like that's slander. They're just so controversial, <laughs> you know, they're yes, just, that's so, true. they're just, <laughs> that too, true. I mean, they're really, they're, do, they dominate this. They're dominating the season. They, they always dominate the shelves uh, this time of year, but man, they are controversial. And a lot of people <laughs> just do not love what's going on with candy corn. That's true. It is. You have some people who really love candy corn and swear by it and say, you know what? This is good stuff. I don't know but, what you but guys I'm are But I'm tempted about. to like if 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 the other things weren't going on that are going on right now. I would te- you know, I'd be tempted to say, you know, uh, Kit Kat or like Skittles or yeah. one of the, you know, kind of one of the the best of the best right now. But uh kind of kind of feel like they're candy corn. Very very, you know, a lot of people love candy corn no matter what. I think this Michigan uh, situation, you, you kind of have to love them uh, no matter what if you're a Michigan fan because there's <laughs> there's a lot of lot of lot of stuff going on. They're gonna they're gonna love their candy corn for sure, uh, and they're yeah, gonna I defend their candy corn. If you if you love candy right. corn, you're gonna defend it <laughs> online to people. You know that's right. Yeah, I I think without all the controversy, I think they're a Kit Kat. But with mm. the controversy, I think the kit the candy corn call is a good one. Kit Kat's reliable. They're, it's it's tough. You know, you got to break it. You yeah, know, you got to put some force in it to break it. Uh, I know. So, I was trying to think so, of like, is it like a jawbreaker? Like, what would be a good way to describe their style <laughs> of play and the way that they are? Uh, I would love to get uh, Jim Harbaugh's take on this. By the way, he would. Yeah. I'm sure he would have a fascinating answer to this. I'm sure he would say like, Michigan yeah, is. gelatin candies are like a nervous candy or something. Yeah, <laughs> something milk based. He's gonna have. It has to be milk <laughs> yeah. chocolate. It has to be milk chocolate based. Milk duds. We're gonna say milk duds. Milk duds. Yeah, <laughs> they're tough. Milk duds. That actually yeah. may be it. Michigan may be a milk. We dud. may have stumbled upon it. Yeah, there. It's got milk chocolate, and it's 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 tough. It's really tough. You got to chew the heck out of a milk dud. Mm-hmm. So, Florida maybe, State. Oh, you got okay. Florida. You, maybe got it you got. You got Florida State as one of my personal favorites, peanut and M's. I love me some yes. peanut and M's because you get the you get the salty, you get the sweet. So it's I think a if, bit of if people are like, "What's the the reason I'm I'm saying peanut and M's for Florida State?" is if you're like, "Hey, what's the best candy bar?" People don't maybe think to say peanut and M's, but it is one of the best mm-hmm. and one of the most I satisfying. Agree. 
Um, yep. And for me, it's 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 on the short list of like the the gas station stop to get a water and something for the road. Like peanut M and M's are are, are uh, very reliable, but just maybe kind of not not getting the respect they deserve in the overall candy conversation. Like, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, their their resume is pretty damn good at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, you look, they at got every, just like a peanut M M&M, and M. They've got everything you want. They do. No, they have. Uh, you look at the records. I was breaking this down on Sunday as I was going through it. Three and zero against teams above five hundred. Their their opponent record is above five hundred, which you can't say that for Georgia. You cannot say yeah. that for Michigan. Georgia's FBS opponents combined twenty two and thirty five. Michigan's thirty one and thirty three. Florida State thirty three and thirty one. Their opponent, their FBS opponents. So, and of course, got the win over LSU. I think in strength of record, they're number two in the ESPN metrics in that. Uh, of the four, of these four that we first discussed, Ohio State seems to have the best resume of the group. Four and zero against teams above five hundred, and fifteenth in strength of schedule, at least according to ESPN's analytics. And they have the best opponent record too at thirty two and twenty five. So. Uh, but Florida State is very substantive, which peanut M and M's have a lot of substance to them. You bite them, there's you feel something there. So it's uh, I'm down with that. Uh, okay, all right. You have an interesting choice for Washington here. I want yeah, Washington hear your logic and Oregon are tricky. Okay, Washington is Washington pixie sticks. I, okay, go with elaborate on that. I, I'm really curious where you're going with this. Just, I mean, it's just pure sugar. It's just put it in my veins. You know, <laughs> when they're good. Like when they're good, they're really good. And I yeah. just, you want, you want more and more of it. Well, I remember when I was a kid. Um, yeah. I mean, pixie sticks are pretty high up there in terms of uh, like just pure sugar, pure, pure satisfaction. Obviously there are much sturdier candy bars. <laughs> there are, you know, um, more, more of a child's candy uh, in this case. I'm not knocking what Washington might be. Washington might be real deal. I, I haven't made up my mind on them, but I think my next pick We'll tell you kind of which way I'm leaning in this rivalry. And I have Twix for Oregon because I think Oregon, I think Oregon's the real deal. And I think Oregon has got all the right ingredients like a Twix bar. Interesting. See, I think Washington might be a Skittles because I think they give you that same mm. sugary feel. Yeah. Because of the offense. Yeah. But they they That's still better. beat Oregon. They still beat Oregon. And there's still some substance there. So you got to chew okay. it. You got to chew it a little bit. Yes. To get it. It's because I feel like Pixie Sticks is a team that has kind of one dimensional scores. That's right. Scores a million points, but doesn't do anything else. And not that Washington's, you know, got a Georgia level defense or anything. Okay. But I like Skittles better. Yeah. I think, I, th- I think they're Skittles at this point because they, they've, they're still unbeaten and they did beat Oregon. So mm-hmm. I think, uh, ha- I think have I'll you ever Skittles. had a freeze dried Skittle? No. Oh my God. I never even heard of that. This is like a thing that's popping up in stores now. <laughs> <laughs> you got to try freeze dried Skittles. They're un- okay. unbelievable. Are they, they retain, you mean they're like packaged? They, like, oh, wait, they're they're titled freeze dried Skittles and packaged. Well, Skittles doesn't sell them. Like, there's other companies that okay. freeze dry them and repackage them. Wow. And basically, it changes the te- it like blows them up. It changes the texture of it, but it retains all the flavor. Mm-hmm. And uh, those are those are very addictive. If people see that in the stores, believe me. Worth it. Interesting. Interesting. You have to learn. learn but I think Oregon's day. Twix. I think Oregon's the real deal. I like that. I agree. I agree with you on there. That's a good one. Dan Lanning uh, knew to put that thing in the fridge right away when he got home. <laughs> and uh, that thing is very, you know, it's everything you want. There's nothing better than a Twix coming out of the fridge. You got Texas <laughs> as a Reese's peanut butter cup. 
I mean, you, I'm going to defer to you on Texas, Sam. What do you think? What What is I, Texas? Maybe I'm, maybe that was mentally, I'm making a mental connection there with the orange wrapper. But I mean, I think Texas is is really good. I mean, what do you think? I think this is, you nailed it. You want to know why? Because the Reese's Peanut Butter Cups, especially in Halloween, they're small. They're like this big. And mm-hmm. they are mm-hmm. so addictive. Like you can get one and you keep wanting more and more. And guess what? We, as a college football media, are addicted to getting Texas relevant, which they are finally. Oh, there so, you go. There so you go. that is what. So that is what it is. That's like, true. the The Halloween size ones do hit hit different. You can you can take a lot of those down. I have had a lot of stomach aches over the years eating too many <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups out of the kids' uh, Halloween bag. So and some stomach aches covering Texas over the years. Uh, that a little bit. Watching some few. of these games. Just yeah. a few, but in this in this time, it's a good one because they are legit, and they did just win without their starting quarterback over BYU, and they won pretty convincingly, thirty five six over BYU, a five and two BYU team before that loss, and Malik Murphy didn't set the world on fire, but he was solid, efficient. You know, he had his freshman mistakes, but the defense was dominant, and they they've got a really big game this weekend against K State, so that's going to be a real Huge. test for them, but. I think this is a team that can kind of piece it together. I think we talked about this last week when we talked about Texas without yours, but I think this is a team that can piece it together for a little while. So good, solid, multifaceted because you got the chocolate, you got the peanut butter, yeah. so you got this team can win multiple ways. Yeah. So I think also Reese's just Cup I think it. when you think about you think about the just the quality of a Reese's peanut butter cup that you could argue it's a top four candy. You know. Yep. I a agree. lot of people feel that way. Uh, by the way, I want to just add. I think Kansas State might be the one that's kind of lurking, kind of sneaking up in the picture here. I think mm-hmm. K-State is a Reese's Take 5 bar, which I don't know when the last time, uh, if ever, you've had a Take 5 bar. I have I'm one, one of the few who's like, Take 5 is like kind of a perfect candy bar. and <laughs> It's just very underrated, okay? You've got pretzels, you get caramel, you got peanut butter, you got peanuts, you got chocolate. Um, a lot of good stuff going on with the Take 5 bar. A lot of good stuff going on with K-State lately. Could be they could be pretty uh they could be pretty interesting in this Big Twelve and playoff race. Is the is the they've is lost the two, but I, so I should say Big Twelve race, but is the know. salty and sweet dichotomy is like their two quarterbacks. You got Will Howard and you got mm-hmm. Avery Johnson. You got a little salty go. and a little sweet. So there you go. Put I, it all I together can, here. I can get with that. Uh Alabama. I like your choice for Alabama here. <laughs> okay. We gotta choose between two here, okay? When mm-hmm. I think Alabama, I think plain M and M's. Mm-hmm. which are classic. Mm-hmm. A lot of people like them. Reliable. Per- personally, plain M&Ms don't do a lot for me, um, but they are reliable. They're popular. Or is it, I kind of, when I think about like Nick Saban answering the door for Halloween, <laughs> I kind of picture him just like handing out a Hershey's bar. Like mm-hmm. why, why would I give you something, you know, why would I give you something crazy here? This is, this is classic. This is good enough for you. Here's a, Pure here's a chocolate. chocolate bar. Yep. Try, tried, tried and true. Here's a chocolate bar. You don't don't need all the other stuff. It's a good size. You know, Hershey bars are pretty big size. Um, w- which one is Alabama for you? I think it's the Hershey bar. It's pure chocolate. It stands the test of time, which Alabama mm-hmm. does. And we sat here and talked about. Continues to. Yeah. We had Ubbin over here having them going nine and three and people writing them off. And well, Kirby is dominating and Georgia's this and that. And they, they still, Georgia's still very good. Georgia's still the number one team in the country right now. 
But here we are, and Alabama is still very much in the middle of this right now. Yep. They're seven, seven they and one. They don't have all the other features like some of these candy bars, but they're, they've got some good stuff going on. No, they're seven and one. They have, of the top 10 teams, their opponent record, opponent winning percentage is the best of the top 10 teams. Uh, of course, they have the one loss to Texas, but they're 3-0 and on the road, strong strength of record, strong strength of schedule. Everything is really good. No frills, really, with this team because this is not this is not the 2014 Lane Kiffin with the offense and throw it to Amari Cooper yep. or let's go no huddle up tempo all the time. This is a classic Alabama team, so I'm going to you know, go with the plain Hershey bar. We could we could have you know you could put caramel in it, you could put crispy in it, you could put all these other Almond. things in it. This year it's just an M M&M. That's right. <laughs> Still pretty good though. Still pretty it is good. pretty good. Um, okay, the next one I have to explain. Penn State. I wrote down two here. Chuck it deep. Chuck it deep. <laughs> I wrote down two. Um, I wrote down Laffy Taffy and I wrote down Reese's Pieces. And I know those are two very different candies. And and let me tell you why. Those okay. are two candies that are pretty popular mm-hmm. in the eyes of some people. Not for me. Really? Yeah, just not for me. I like don't, Reese's don't, Pieces. Don't quite get it. Yeah. Don't quite get it. I like Reese's Pieces because I like peanut butter. So I'm never I been like, a Reese's Pieces guy. Laffy Taffy is something I will only eat at Halloween, really, though. Yeah. So it's in the bucket. You'll eat it just to eat it. Um, but it's not. Uh, it's not. These are not championship candies yet. I I would I would lean, Penn but maybe State they are towards, to some people. Just I would me. lean them towards Reese's Pieces because it's good. It's mm-hmm. there for it's there for you when you eat it. It's satisfying, but it's not going to win at all. It's not going to beat all these elite candies, which Penn State has not to this point. You know, of course, they, they, they didn't beat Ohio State, and they still have to play Michigan, which I think Audrey, when she was on the Sound Off show on Sunday, they, they talked about it straight up. Do you think Penn State's going to beat Michigan? She said no. I don't even she, she think she hesitated by saying no when she was asked. So uh, it's good. It just, it's solid. It, yeah. Reese's Pieces Reese's are good pieces, solid. Nothing wrong with them. It's just one of those, if you try to tell me Reese's Pieces is one of the best candies of all time, I'd just sort of be like, well, okay, <laughs> I don't really think so, but... I'm probably, higher on them than, I'm probably a little higher on him than you are, but yeah, um, I think I lost a lot of, I was really high on Penn State earlier this year, and I lost a lot of faith after the Ohio State, and you were at the Ohio State game, I so I, I would imagine it, it had an impact on you too, because I really did think Penn State was going to go in there and win that, uh, with you know that offense, not Ohio State's offense and the quarterback situation not being as elite as it has been, I thought this was a ripe opportunity for Penn State to come in and really make a statement, and, and they couldn't, and so I, I have lost a little bit of faith in the Nittany Alliance for right now. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. But Oklahoma, what do you think about the number 10 Sooners? We're number 10 at the oh, AP. We'll see what they are. Oklahoma. I thought, I thought Jolly Rancher. I think Brent Venables is trying to build a real hard, solid, strong team program here. Um, you know, you can't just, you can't just chomp on a Jolly Rancher, you know, um, but they suck this weekend. So that's why I went Jolly Rancher. <laughs> I like the logic there. That's interesting. Uh, they, you know, they kind of sucked against Kansas, uh, <laughs> but it's still a good candy. They, they, uh, and you got to suck really on did. a Jolly Rancher. Okay, so talk to me, Max. Let's go on aside for real quick. Talk to me about what you thought of the strategy late in this game to just kind of sit on the lead and try to run it out, as opposed to and punny, being content with punting the ball back. Sam, I'm going to level with you. Um, you know how it is when you're at these stadiums, usually um, there's kind of that 
awkward window in the last five minutes of a game where, you know, you got to kind of pick your spot in terms of when am I going to go down this elevator or run down these stairs and get down to the field. Um, it's the worst when you go all that way and then they won't let you out of the field, which is what happened to me in Kansas. But um, I went down after the interception uh, on the screen pass. And I honestly, because I was making my way down, I have no idea how Oklahoma went three and out. Like, what the hell was that? <laughs> I, I just don't like I got down there and they were punting and they kick a touchback. And I'm like, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that, the conservatism there was was strange. I thought that uh, a sneaky thing there is that Dylan Gabriel going into the last drive of the game had only thrown 12 pass attempts. And mm-hmm. what happened early? He threw a pick six um, that mm-hmm. Melo Dotson housed. And so I think there was a little bit. I think there was some respect for the Kansas pass defense. And, and I think there may be just a little bit, you take combine the conditions, you combine a lack of respect for the Kansas run defense. And just, I mean, they just right really tried to run up the middle the whole day and uh, just really didn't, didn't love some of the play calling that you saw in that game. And uh, you know, still a lot of things that went wrong on both sides there and it still could have gone OU's way. I kind of thought it would go OU's way, but uh yeah, it's, that's a, a tough blown opportunity there that uh, you can point to a couple different things of like, man, that just wasn't sharp enough. And honestly, they've played a couple games now, um, like Cincinnati and UCF, where you're just like, okay, you know, they played incredible against Texas, but they've they've looked a little mortal at times against some other teams in this conference. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond. And they got Bedlam this week. They do. And on the road. Against and Barry I know Sanders. Yeah. <laughs> I know they've Holly dominated Gordon. that series. But with this being the last one, it's going to be really emotional, yep. intense. Guaranteed. Because uh, we don't know what, it, what it's going to look like. And this Oklahoma State team, by the way, is playing pretty good. They won four in a row. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's big big spot here for Oklahoma. I don't think Oklahoma sucks, just to be clear. But uh, they kind of they kind of did over the weekend, and that got me thinking about uh, Jolly Ranchers. Now, Sam, for, for now we're getting kind of into some of these like sort of fringe playoff teams. Um, feel free to disagree on some of these mm-hmm. Ole Miss. I got hot tamales. I um, like that. Yeah. Which can be very satisfying. Um, <laughs> they can get hot. Um, are they, are they, you know, are they one of the best candies in the world? Um, some people might think that it's, it's in the eye of the beholder a little bit. Right. Um, do you, are you pro or anti? I, 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 I'm I pro, like but I haven't tamales. had one in a long time. I like hot tamales. I don't love them, but they're yeah. fine. Uh, but yeah. I think they're a perfect fit for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. Sure. Uh, Notre Dame, I went Swedish fish because, uh, you know, I just I like flavor and there's not not a ton of flavor going on there with the with the Swedish fish, but uh, still very popular. Yep. It is reliable. People. A lot of people love them. Um, LSU, I went Starburst because uh, they got one of the best stars in the country. And uh, I think LSU, I, I'm, I'm a little confused by LSU. I think they're really good. Um, they should be. There should have been among the best teams in the country. Maybe they still are, can be. Maybe. Are you confused? So you're confused. It's kind of like Starburst is confused because we have like 25 different versions of Starburst now. It used to be just the plain red, yeah. yellow, orange, uh, and pink, strawberry, lemon, orange, and cherry. And now there's like 25. You go to the store, and there's like sure. 25 versions of Starburst. Sure. So I think we're all confused a little bit with LSU. And they got a big one against Alabama this week. The biggest, yeah, for them, for sure. Um, Missouri, three musketeers. Um <laughs> You know they get to they get to hang out with all these other candy bars right now. Um, do they have do they have the goods on the inside like like a Snickers? <laughs> no, probably not. Probably not. I'm not saying the, it's all fluff. I'm not. The, I'm just 
you feel free to correct me. Come up with a different candy bar if you want. Lou the Burton is one of the best players in in the country. By the way, that on he my uh, he is on my uh, straw poll, Heisman straw poll. So ooh, uh, yeah, very nice. So so, but but you're right. It's the the interior of it, which the interior of Mizzou is it, not going to stack up with the interior of Georgia. Probably we'll see this weekend. But M- M- Missouri's having an awesome year. You know, on Tuesday night when you're reaching into that bucket. And the Three Musketeers is next to the Reese's and it's next to the Snickers and all the other ones. You're not really reached for the Three Musketeers, me personally. But they can win some big games here they, and uh, make me look really the, stupid for making this, uh, you know, negative candy ca- connotation. You know, uh, of the of the chocolate candies that you find in the Halloween bag, that that is the last one I'm going to reach for. But I do, but I still like. I them. I, but I didn't call them coconut, right? Like I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not making it personal, right? Like you're not, you're not no an almond joy co- guy. <laughs> no, I got no time for. Coconut candy myself. You? We're 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 soul brothers on that one, buddy. I, I am <laughs> not a coconut guy by any stretch. Uh if I if I a bag of, of almond joys or mounds, my wife would be like, What did you do? What is this? <laughs> it, when you get the when you get the heart candy of Valentine's and and there's that coconut one left, if I'm reaching for that, that that means I desperately want something sweet. Because <laughs> I, I will leave. That is going to be the last one I leave. It's going to be there for a long time. Bottom of the bucket. Um, so yes, I did not compare any teams to uh, to, to to almond candies here. Um, last few here. I mentioned K State to take five. USC. Okay, so um, we went to an event at the at the lo- local zoo here last week um, with with our two year old, and they you know it was like you know he walks around with a with a bag and they you know, everyone tosses candy in and stuff like that. And it was cool it, when we got home and, 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 you know, that night kind of going, you know, he wanted to spill it all out on the table and kind of go through these. He likes chocolate. He's not, I don't think he's as into kind of some of the fruity stuff, but he likes chocolate. And I opened up a Smarties, which was always like a very classic one that you would always get. And uh, he, he put one Smartie in his mouth and he took it out and said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so that's USC. USC is, uh, is Smarties. It's just, you know. No, it's a little tart. There's just not a lot of substance there. No, thank you. Um, yeah, very but they, you know, Lincoln Riley's very smart, very smart. He smarter is than, smarter than coaches, smarter than media. Um, so I thought <laughs> that, that came to mind. Um, all right, Sam. Last one here. Again, we I, I, as I mentioned, we went to the zoo last week, and uh, you know, my son's holding out his bag, and they're they're filling it up uh, with with all this uh, candy. We get home, he spills it out on the table, and the one that I don't know how this got in the bag, there was a bag of baby carrots what? somehow stuck there in the bag. And I don't know who was passing out baby carrots at this event. Oh my gosh. Um and it's just you're staring at it and you're just like, who wants this? Like, how is that acceptable? Uh. Like it's it's you know, I, I I like carrots just fine, but it's Halloween, and uh, you know you got to mm-hmm. give people candy, and and you've got to, it's just it's deeply unsatisfying, and uh, and that's Iowa, that's Iowa football, that's Iowa <laughs> offense for me, is is uh, giving out baby carrots uh, on Halloween for trick or treating. That that's what the Iowa I, I feel like it, it, fan experience has, has been this year. Um, so that's the last comp for me. Who does that? Okay, like. What is the thought process behind you know what everybody's here to get candy I'm going to I'm going to make my health statement like get, don't get me wrong I want to be healthy you want to be healthy mm-hmm. we try to sure. make good choices when yeah. we eat 
Wish I was more healthy. There are some That's days. That's not the way. There are, yeah. There are some days you just don't do it. Would you? Would we? Me and you go to Heim Barbecue and say, "Hey, you know what? What's the healthiest thing on this menu that I can order?" Like, come on now. It's uh, yeah. It's, can it's I insanity. just get some lettuce here, please? Um, you know, it, it, that's and it, it just feels like a very similar thought process to Iowa. Um, now you know, now that, that this is over, of like, you know, just what 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 are we doing here? What are we doing here? Why can't we just do what everybody else is doing? You know, why can't we so, uh, make this a little bit more fun than carrots? So, so we need to take our Iowa beat writer Scott Doctorman to a barbecue joint because he thought he's been eating an insane amount of vegetables. Over the last that's few right. years, watching this Iowa football team, uh, been I think that's carrots good... for years now. We gotta, we gotta get him some candy, <laughs> some yeah, barbecue, yeah, whatever. Something. Come on, man. That's uh, that's that's a good comp. I like it. Iowa is carrots. I'm I'm with it. Before we go, one more topic. Pete Sampson, Notre Dame writer for the Athletic, is joining us to discuss a story that came out last week about what the Fighting Irish are doing to help modernize recovery for players. This is a story of innovation and change sponsored by Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Pete, thanks. Thanks for joining Max and Sam. Let's let's get right into it. Uh, you wrote the story about uh, Marcus Freeman and, and the sports performance staff at Notre Dame and, and what they're doing to combat uh, you know, fatigue and, and the difficult schedule that the Fighting Irish have gone through with with eight games in eight straight weeks, four consecutive night games. What did you find about what is different about what the Fighting Irish are doing to kind of help their players get through the long slog of this season? You know, I, I think some of it was micro, just what how Marcus Freeman structured August to make sure that September and October, like Notre Dame would have a full complement of players or as close to a full complement as they could get. I think he learned a lot from the Ohio State game of a year ago when they were down really two starters. Um due to training camp injuries that were more overuse type stuff. So I think scaling back was a big part of it. And then Notre Dame is invested in staff um, to try to build out more of a sports performance um, department with, you know, for athletics, but, you know, cer- certainly football's at the forefront of that. And like that, that was probably more um, in process and more of a strategic part of the story than it was like what they're actually doing. So it's they're they're trying to hit it on all fronts because it's like Notre Dame's independence is important to them, but like you don't really get a lot of scheduling breaks. That's how you end up with four straight night games, or you choose to play in Ireland and then play at home the very next week. Um, you know, you end of the season in California every year, so it's uh, Notre Dame has to be a little bit more proactive than some other schools. And I think, you know, Freeman started thinking about that in June, July and implemented in August. And then Notre Dame sort of more globally from the athletic department point of view has been thinking about this for a couple of years. And, you know, how do they, how do they maximize time at Notre Dame? Cause that's, um, you know, I, I know Notre Dame likes to sort of stick its chest out a little bit about the academic demands, but like those are real. There's not, you know, there's not like an online class that you can work around if you're a football player. So uh, time is a really precious resource up at Notre Dame. And I think they're trying to figure out ways to maximize it. Yeah. One thing that I found interesting, you mentioned that Freeman is shortened practices. Obviously, so many programs now, including Notre Dame, have access to catapult and the GPS data and, and can kind of track how the players are doing. Uh, that was fascinating to me because that was something that we saw TCU do last year on its way to national championship, keeping shorter practices. How, how has that helped from what you can tell or from what, what people in the program have told you? 
I mean, I, th- I think that it has. It's just there are so many variables. It's difficult to say like, yes, this has been a, an A plus, uh, you know, innovative change or it's been a C minus. But they've had some hamstring issues at wide receiver. Is that down to the practice schedule? I, I don't think so. Um, they've been fairly healthy otherwise. But uh, yeah, I think I think the players appreciate it because, I mean, they were pacing Audric Estime. They're number one running back in August. They were started trying to keep his reps down um, in training camp. So I think it's the the amount of practice that they have is significant, but I think also like who's getting the reps and how many has been part of that too. So it's uh, they're trying to hit like the, the quantity and quality of reps uh, issue really on, on multiple fronts. Yeah. On, on the schedule change with the Sunday off Monday on, it seemed like it was a little bit of a departure for Freeman has done. I guess how difficult is that to to change? I guess, you know, head coaches are creatures of habit. Is it something you got a sense that was, you know, something that, that Freeman had a little bit of a challenge wrapping his mind around in terms of routine? Yeah, I think it was a it's harder for Freeman to change back um than any for than it was for anybody. I mean, the players were essentially begging to go back to the old schedule where, you know, Sunday was an off day and and Monday was, you know, kind of a more of a walkthrough type of practice day or meeting day. I mean that's I think it's another part that's like unique to Notre Dame where it's like these players, they're all in on game day and then Sunday comes around and they have to be college students for about 12 hours and get a week's worth of work done. Um, so I think that to have sort of the mental space to do that for the players was significant. I mean, Freeman's point is if you're a coach, you want to move on to the next game as quickly as humanly possible. And when you're still talking through that with the players on Monday, it, it, it creates the sensation of loss of time. But um, I think physically, I mean, some players even talked about like emotionally, they needed the break on Sunday after playing a game before jumping into the next week on Monday. So I think it was the players were unanimous essentially in saying, please give us Sunday off. Let's go back to Monday. But I think Freeman <laughs> You know, his experience at Ohio State, at Cincinnati, um, where maybe the demands are a little bit different on the players, um, it took a, a minute for him to get his head around like, all right, at Notre Dame, maybe there's a better way to do this. Yeah, it's certainly I think the night games probably play into that as well, oh, yeah. just because of how late guys are getting back from those games, especially if they're on the road. But uh, last one before we get you out, Pete, you, you mentioned the global approach to this, not just in football, but across the athletics in, in University of Notre Dame. And Talk about a little bit the growth in that sports performance staff, mental conditioning, all this stuff that that Notre Dame has invested in and and how they're trying to attack this, not just for football, but across the university. Yeah, they've tried it before. In 2016, they hired somebody named Duncan French to sort of like lead the department, but he was almost sort of operating on his own. uh, And that, you know, it just was not sustainable. Uh, He left after a year. They've had they've had mental performance coaches in the football program before. Um, but they just never really have had the infrastructure to support that person across the athletic department. And that was sort of what I found most in the story is, okay, why did they have a gap in sort of performance specialists atop the department? It's because they knew they, they had to build the foundation of that department before they could hire ahead of it. Um, and so that's where they're going with that. You know, some of his catapult GPS, which everybody does, um, sleep uh, quality and tracking is a big part of where they want to push this forward too. Um, so it's, I think they, they want to recreate this across all sports. So the sports performance, uh, John Weigel is the guy's name. 
essentially will have like a, uh, a story based on data and analytics of each athlete in each sport uh, at each point of the year where they can sort of give you a little bit more of a bespoke customized, okay, this is the kind of training this athlete needs. This is the kind of rest and recovery this athlete needs opposed to having it being a, a one sport fits all type of model, which is, uh, I, th I think fairly common elsewhere. Good stuff, Pete. Thanks so much for joining us again. Can Notre Dame football crack the sports science code inside the chase for best practices? Great story by Pete on the athletic and this was a story of innovation and change brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Thank you, as always, for listening to Until Saturday with Max and Sam. Be sure you're subscribed to the Until Saturday feed so you're notified when we publish the podcast and a programming update for you this week. Power Hour will be live on Tuesday night after the college football playoff rankings are unveiled. So be sure to hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel so you can join Nicole Auerbach and Chris Vanini as they react and discuss what we learned from that first set of rankings and power hour will be in your podcast feed on Tuesday night, right after the reaction show, it'll publish right away. So yeah, you could still get it on Wednesday morning, but, but it'll already be in there on Tuesday night as soon as they finish up the reaction to the college football playoff ranking. So be on the lookout for that. And of course, be sure to join all of our live streams Thursdays for the pick shows, Saturday night for the game reactions, Sundays for the sound off, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel to make sure you're notified on all those. Of course, subscribe to the Until Saturday newsletter. The link to that is in the show description. For Max Olson, I'm Sam Kahn. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week.